rosieonthehouse.com. Protecting you, informing you, and educating you. It's Rosie on the House. Saturday morning, 9 o'clock. That means it's our On the House hour. We spend the hour talking about something on your home, castle, or cabin. And sometimes we'll clump those together, depending on how much content one particular uh area of your home, whether it's painting, roofing, drywalling, plumbing, flooring, landscaping, etc. And just how much new content we have to cover that month. And if you're following along in the home maintenance calendar and you've got July open, you see we've got a beautiful picture there, some solar panels being installed on a home right here in Arizona. In light of being uh, the summer month where we get a lot of our solar generation, <laughs> a long extended uh, daylight hours, we will be covering solar panels. And today's topic is a little different. It's not about the benefits of solar. Uh, it's not about uh, backup batteries that you can add to it or sizing it. We'll have Fox Valley Electric and Solar in on the 30th of this month talking about how to calculate load and uh and calculate true cost savings. Uh, but this was a topic that came up in our brainstorming meeting that we do as a, as a new topic comes up. We'll invite every one of our partners in that particular industry uh, together for a, a brainstorming lunch meeting and just talk uh, open form and get the download on the newest, latest, greatest. So one of the things that came up is buying and selling a home that has solar panels on it and what that could mean to you as a buyer or a seller. There's a lot that needs to be known, and I'd like to kind of go over it piece by piece because, again, we've got so many newcomers coming in. They may or may not be familiar with living with solar panels. I love those topic lunches. I learned so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, but before we go there, can I Uh-oh. ask you, I have a... A trick question? No, not a trick question. Okay. A homeowner, kind of a homeowner suggestion, but uh, under the category of homeowner questions. Okay. So we have a regular listener, and... The topic of his email is um, water line protection. You know how oh. everybody gets these notices in their mail, hey, and it's usually from the city, endorsing uh, particular insurance companies to go and, and buy insurance for um, their water lines. Right. And then after doing some research, we realized, hey, these companies are charging a lot more than if you would just buy this kind of type of insurance through your own insurance company. So he was just saying he uh, what they were trying to sell through the city was about $118.56 annually, but through just doing his own homeowner, like a little addendum was 30 bucks a year for $12,000 worth of coverage. These notices come out, and they look like they're city-sanctioned, uh, and they're third-party insurance companies that are trying to convince you, the homeowner, to take out an insurance policy to replace the water supply line between the meter and the tap at the city. And um, 120 bucks a year. Uh, one, uh, if, if your house isn't 50 years old, don't even think about it, Okay. If your house is 50 years old, I would tell you exactly that, what he found out, what this listener found out. And I appreciate him reaching out to us and say, Rosie, talk about this again, because we're getting flooded with these third-party notices again. Do not buy the third-party notices. If you're so inclined to get coverage on the electric line that comes into your house, the water line that comes into your house, past the utility company's meter, then just go to ever 
currently carries your homeowner's insurance policy and get a rider. You will get that for a you'll get exactly the same coverage, probably even better coverage for a fraction of the same price. Do not do not buy these third party mail solicitations that many of you are getting in the mail right now. So, and thanks, Bob, for uh, uh, shooting that into us. Uh, the show is driven a lot by homeowner input, so we appreciate that reminder. And that could be as simple as all, the, all that's covering is from the meter to the front of the house. It's not covering anything past uh, the, you know, the, the water pressure regulator in your home. Once it ends, no, no, it's, no, all, no, no. it's just from the house to the street, whether that's it's it. front or back. I mean, it's... That's it. It... it and it does need to be an older home to even be concerned about it. Yeah. Yeah, because the pipe we use for that is good for, I mean, it was it was uh, copper. Or, but the, the old ones were galvanized, and those are the ones that are going to start having problems. But that's all, that's a 60 or 70-year-old home. So if you're not that old, don't even be worried about it at all. Well, and a lot of them have already even been replaced. So if you bought a home and you don't know the age of your pipe, uh, the water supply line, there, there's a chance that you could be an old home that the previous homeowner replaced. So the moral of the story, don't buy those. Contact your homeowner insurance policyholder and just have a writer put on your existing homeowner policy. And just real quick, in that example, that's a perfect application for tracking your projects in HomeZada because when you sell the home, you transition the home's fingerprint to the next homeowner so they can see all the work that's been done to the home. And then they would know how who and when and where it had been replaced in the, the life expectancy you have going forward. And where would you find homes out of there, Romy? <laughs> <laughs> That's the Rosie app. You go to rosieonthehouse.com slash app. There you go. Okay. Now, with no more trick questions to interfere, let's get to the topic at hand. And for those of you that are shopping for a new home coming into the area or relocating within the area, uh, solar panels have become a pretty prominent appliance to a lot of homes. And there's a couple things you need to know. If the house you're entertaining putting an offer in has solar panels, one of the first questions that comes up, well, does that add to the value of the house? There are places you can go and do a little research that will show there is some advantage to solar panels. But generally speaking, appraisers won't give you much higher value with or without solar panels okay and if if the system that's on this house you're looking at let's just say you found this house on 47 elm street and uh, you really like it it's right in the right location it's got the right number of bedrooms and bathrooms you love the backyard and it's got solar panels well one of the first things you're going to want to find out is what's the age of that system you want to find out who installed it. There was a wave of solar installations 10 years ago that were done by companies that are no longer in business. Okay, so let's find out who installed it. Let's verify that they were licensed, bonded, and insured. If that company is no longer in business, let's find out who was the last company that serviced that piece of equipment. And let's find out if the equipment was leased by the homeowner 
and it's just there as a part of the lease, or did they buy it? And then if they bought it, did they buy it outright, or did they put it on a financial plan? All of those things impact you as the next buyer. The other thing you're going to need to know is uh, in the good old days, when they were really trying to drive an interest in solar energy, the utility companies and uh, the federal government were giving rebates and incentives to get people to jump in to solar residential power. And the utility companies were actually paying you for any extra power you were generating at the same price that you were buying power. It was dollar for dollar. Now, if this house on Elm Street got in early and bought the system, you can actually inherit their energy plan for the rest of the life that still may be active on it. If it was a 20-year plan, and they may still have six or seven years left of that. Don't change the power uh, purchase plan at the utility company. You just stick with what they've got because that dollar for dollar credit that you're going to get um, is going to be huge for you and it's no longer available right now. But it is transferable. And if there's life left on that agreement on the house you're considering buying, make sure you take advantage of that. And we learned don't assume that the energy company will offer that information. You may have to find that out yourself. Yeah, that, that's exactly true. The energy company is going to contact you and say, what plan do you want to be on? Well, well, let's find out if it's a transferable plan from the dollar-for-dollar dollar rebate program that uh, was used t- to jumpstart the demand for solar panels because that, that was a really good deal, a really good deal. So if it's a leased system, that could hurt you as the buyer, because you found this house on Elm Street that you're in love with, and uh, you got pre-approved for a certain mortgage amount, and let's just say that amount was $220,000, and you got pre-approved, and that's about what they're asking, and you're about to make your offer. Well, now you got to now go to the solar company that owns the lease, and you have to get approved for that lease payment on top of the mortgage payment. So it's going to lower your purchasing ability on the price home you can buy. So leased systems, when they first came out, caused a lot, a lot of dilemma and heartache in the resale situation of the real estate market. But you shouldn't have to wonder what your electric bill is going to be at that point either. You know, when you go and you buy a house without it, you still have to get all your utilities hooked up. And you'll still have to do that. But if the system designed properly, it won't be an exact match because every person uses energy different in their home. That's a great point. Um, you know, if even if you're buying it from a family of two and you're a family of two moving in, it'll be different. If it's a family of four moving in, it'll be a lot different. Uh, So there won't be a perfect offset of the system because the way the panels are designed is they look at your history, your living history, how much power you use annually, and then design a system to match your needs. So the moral of the story is if you're buying a house with solar and the company that installed it's no longer in business and you don't have service records, get a hold of one of the very few Rosie certified solar providers 
and have them check the system out before you go any farther. There are a few layers of questions that need to get asked for answers you're going to want to have before you close escrow on that house. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know I need someone. And welcome back to Rosie on the House. And we were talking last segment about letters from listeners. And and, uh, it would seem to me from the input, Jennifer, did you see all the emails we got about these beetles? Yeah, I did. Uh, People are posting pictures and asking questions, trying to figure out what they are and how long it's going to last. Literally thousands of dead beetles back on this back patio. Oh, So that that is well beyond my area of expertise. So we reached out to the Rosie Certified uh, Pest Control Experts, Blue Sky Pest Control, and we have Mr. Bob Gilbert, a board-certified entomologist, to uh, take us out of this Old Testament plague. Bob, what, what are we seeing here? What's going on? You know, we're, uh, we're seeing a natural response to the recent rains we're having. Now, this happens all the time, but this year we're getting a lot of beetles, far more than, than typical. Now, we usually see a small amount every year after the rains or during monsoon. But the, the, what we're seeing is the rain has activated these beetles that may have been dormant in the ground, and uh, they're all attracted to light. So they're unfortunately flying to people's houses. Oh, so that's what brings them to the back patio is the night light at the back door. Absolutely. You know, these things all live outside. There's no interest of, on, on their part in getting into your house or, or getting onto the patio, but they're strongly, strongly attracted to lights. So if you're running your outside lights, then uh, they're going to fly out to that light. Once they hit the house, you know, they, they fall down to the ground and they look for someplace to hide. Um, that could be your doormat or a potted plant, or maybe they even get inside your house through, uh, you know, a, a door sweep that's not really sure. uh, doing its job or, or uh, cracks and crevices and such. So they just tend to pile up. Now, when luckily... I've... I'm sorry, go ahead. When I started this conversation with a couple of longtime residents here, the first thing they'll say, oh, that's just the Palo Verde beetle. I'll say, no, 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 you got to see the picture. This is a little beady thing. I mean, this this isn't, oh, yeah. this isn't the B-52 Palo Verde beetle. <laughs> what we're talking about is these little gray, brown, or even reddish beetles. They're about an eighth of an inch long to a quarter inch long, but there's a lot of them. And they're not all the same. There's four or five species that I've seen, <laughs> so they vary a little bit. Two unrelated families. Some of them are predators. Some of them eat, you know, mildew and fungus and organic material out in the yard under stuff. There's no reason for them to be at the house, except there's just so many of them. Are they harmful or helpful? The predators are helpful in the long run if there's not so many, um, but they're not gonna they're not gonna harm anything. They're not gonna hurt anyone. They're not gonna damage the house or your property. The only thing is, don't squish them. Those <laughs> these bugs, they produce a noxious chemical, and it stinks, uh, and it could potentially stain. You're better off uh, if you have a lot of them. You're better off vacuuming them up and, and throwing the bag outside. 
So if if you're a, a, a Blue Sky Pest Control customer and mm-hmm. you're being regularly serviced by Blue Sky and you've got this invasion of these these beetles, um, what's Blue Sky's response? Do you all just show up with vacuums and vacuum them up? Is there something that you can – is there a barrier that can be installed of any type? Well, um, we have a number of options. First of all, um, our barrier uh, – protection, the actual treatment, perimeter treatment that we do uh, is certainly going to, you know, kill these beetles, prevent them from getting inside. If you are seeing a lot of insects that are getting inside, then we offer exclusion uh, as well. But we also offer uh, um, some advice, and and sometimes advice is is the (laughs) best thing. And, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of turning off your outside lights, or maybe changing the light bulb uh, that you're using for your lights. If you, you know, people run them for security, get away from the bright, warm, white light and maybe go to a yellow bulb or a warm LED. You'll find that you attract a lot less beetles. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, it'll work. It can work wonders. And are, are we the only ones getting this input of all this beetle invasion? Is it just unique to our neighborhood, or are y'all seeing this valley wide? It's pretty valley wide. Um, you know, West Side is certainly getting them. Uh, Central Phoenix is, I know of a case, a commercial case that had just thousands and thousands of beetles. Uh, but, uh, you know, homeowners are getting them, too. This thought that they're attracted to lights, I went and tested that this past weekend with, uh, you know, a really strong light trap. And I was collecting both ground beetles and uh, the darkling beetle. The darkling beetles are smaller. And it's both kinds in this outbreak. And, and they were strongly attracted to lights. So we know that that's the case. Uh, it's not uh, a guess on our part. Okay. Um, they're attracted to lights, and, and that's the best to control. All Obviously, right. our existing customers, we're going to go out. We have her fully guaranteed on our services, and we're going to go out and do what's necessary uh, and support that. But, you know, if, if others are having the problems, they can give us a call. That's Bob Gilbert, board-certified entomologist at Blue Sky Pest Control. Thank you. I just had to ask because it was just one of those things we were hit with all week long. Rosie, what is this beetle invasion? Well, folks, now you know. They can't hurt you. They're not going to hurt anything. And they do stink. So take that as a lesson learned right here at Rosie on the House. like to take a couple minutes and talk to you all about the trends and this is not only in Arizona this is nationally trends in the remodeling industry that are going to impact you the Arizona homeowner at the point you decide you'd like to possibly tackle a remodeling project whether you're hiring it professionally done or doing it yourself these are trends that are going to impact how you do it. They are changing the world of remodeling. One of the 
uh, one of the funniest little new terms or new trends that's come up on the market right now is you, you, many of you have probably already experienced it. You've decided you want a particular product, a particular model number, a particular color, and you go to the store and you pick it out. And then you find out that particular color, that particular model, <laughs> that particular item you had your heart set on is 15 months away. So they have now developed a they now they we've developed a protocol for that. It's called the reselection experience. <laughs> okay. I don't know. That's it's kind of like putting lipstick on a pig, so, isn't it? Uh, so well, so the, a good name. So the industry and this this comes from Pro Build magazine. The industry is out there trying to get the remodeling contractors to get ahead of this and say, look, if just just know, Gary, if I'm coming over to your house to talk about a kitchen remodel. I probably need to let you know at the first meeting. Now, Gary, when you go to the appliance store and pick out your oven and your refrigerator, we'd like you to pick out an A choice, a B choice, and a C, <laughs> and choice? A C choice. Wow. And let's <laughs> just, before you get your heart set on any one thing, and we actually start the reselection protocol and the reselection experience right there at the very first visit, trying to set people's expectations of, hey, there's a real good chance of the item you've got your heart set on, you're just not going to be able to find it. You're just there. You, um, uh, I, I can tell you a true story at Rosie Wright Remodeling that we've just recently experienced. Um, a, a fairly good sized remodeling project had a, com a component to it that uh, is fairly complicated. And uh, we were told when we were uh, designing it and engineering it and uh, getting it quoted that this particular component was going to be about 10 to 12 weeks. And the client was very interested in making sure we could have the project done for guests that are arriving at their house the beginning of November for the holiday season. So the timing was extremely critical. And everything was going to work with about a week buffer. Oh, a week? In today's? In the remodeling wow. world, that's Especially that, in that's the current remodeling world. So A is one week, B is two oh. weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> we we get down to, okay, now we know exactly to an eighth of an inch. We know exactly, you know, we've got the preliminary bid. We've got the preliminary schedule. We've got the preliminary delivery dates. Now we're going to order 32 weeks. Well, now we've got to go back to the homeowner and say, homeowner, that project you want to done for Thanksgiving is going to have to be done for next Thanksgiving. <laughs> Memorial, wow. Memorial Day. Okay. <laughs> we, um, and so it's it's it, it, it then then we have to reselect everything. So it's a very real thing that we're going through right now in this ongoing supply chain. So when you're out there picking it again, whether it is for yourself as a do it your do it yourself project or a professionally installed project, make sure you've picked several. Uh, Jennifer and I are going to remodel a kitchen that's. 40 years old in our house and um, I went to the appliance store because I kind of had an idea of what I wanted and uh, the guy looked at me and says well that 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 refrigerator you've got spec right there uh, it's 15 months if I order it today you'll get it in 15 months he said in that brand there's only one of those available in Maricopa County and come here I'll show it to you it's right here in this next room 
And there it is right there. Do you want it? I said, yeah, that, that's close enough. I'm going to take it right there, cash on the barrel head. And we got it delivered before we even started the remodel. But that's just the way it's going right now. And there could easily go a good and a bad way. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I'll tell people don't falter. Get what you want because it's your home, your investment. You're going to be unhappy if you make a compromise. But then the flip side of things, you could find something that was actually better than what you had pre-envisioned. So yeah. it, it could easily go good or bad. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, on just about every area of shopping, of cons- of consumering, <laughs> um, they're telling you if you see it, buy it. So in thinking about Christmas, which is only how many days away now, oh, um, mercy. you know, if you have something in, something that you have already intentioned to buy for someone and you see it, pick it up. Don't wait. And tied in with that, my mindset still says prices are going to come down at some point they're in life. Not. But they but you don't you you saw something today or, I, yeah. I I I do not see that. Uh, I see price increases slowing down, but I don't see prices coming down uh, from the from a net number. No, I never have uh, except in 09 and 010 the biggest uh, recession uh, we've ever seen, the housing bubble. Now, as this trend is coming back into the remodeling market. The other thing that I wanted homeowners to know about, and this again comes from a professional journal that's distributed to remodels all across the country. It's an article about, we we have been teaching contractors for 30 years, avoid change orders, avoid change orders. The homeowners hate them, you're gonna hate them, they're horrible, and now there are those in the industry that are saying with these supply chain challenges, go back to change orders. And here's the reason why. They say you as a contractor, it allows you to move the project into permitting or scheduling faster. Boy, that's a booby trap right there. So are you saying change orders in that? (laughs) So you're putting off decisions? Absolutely. You're telling the people... um, We'll make that decision later, but we'll get started on the demo now. And that's that's exactly opposite of what you've always said. Have everything chosen, have everything, everything on site before you start. If you think if you think your anxiety is gonna be high at the beginning of the project, making a lot of choices, it doesn't compare to the anxiety you're gonna have with your job torn up, waiting for the one thing and nothing getting done for days and days and weeks and weeks. So I wouldn't tell you if you're going to do a remodel and have a professional do it, get everything picked ahead of time, get firm delivery dates, because if you if you resort to these change orders, it's going to create a culture of postponement uh, of decisions. It's going to lead to a culture of uh, unknown schedules, unknown budgets. And lots and lots of ugly surprises. So if your contractor is talking to you about let's get started and we'll make these decisions later, run away from that particular contractor. Do you just need to change the name change order? Would you call it the reselection process? Do we need to do the redesign 
You need, you need to have a redesign experience. <laughs> oh, Ruby, that's exactly what this article says. Don't call it a change order. <laughs> I was just joking. No, no. Don't call it a change order because we've been telling people for 40 years, never, never, never change order anybody. Call it an addendum. An addendum. Oh, oh there you go. That, that's a fancy word. I, I don't get them. Man. Make an addendum. It's, it's never been as important as it is right now in today's environment to get all your decisions and your selections made, get firm delivery dates before you proceed, or you are going to get some part of the project and it's going to stop. And you're going to wake up every morning to a job that's one half done and no one showing up to do any work because it can't proceed to the next step. There's nothing worse than that for anybody, the homeowner, the contractor, the suppliers, anybody. Avoid it. Going through my news feed this week, I pulled out a blog that was posted by Sherwin-Williams. You know, they, every year, paint companies have fan decks of colors that they update or discontinue. And they had a, it, it's called a, a color mix forecast that has four different styles. They've got the Dreamland, the Method, the Opus, and the Euphoria. But the one that they highlighted was the Dreamland. And it actually had some really good colors if you're looking for like a, a calm setting for the home nothing that it, it's still very rich colors but they're very uh, it's hard to describe you, you kind of have to look at like, it's like got some ivories and some soft reds just super rich in color but super soft or in in the setting so it's great for a sitting area reading area book area um they and what I like about it is what it says at the back of it. It's about the simplicity. Um, and it's important to also choose simple things in your home to go with it. Um, you know, you don't often see things that are trying to simplify. It's always more and better, more elaborate. And this one's like, no, just this is going to, we're taking it the opposite way. We're, we're simplifying it and toning it down. And it brought me to another article uh, that was very interesting. And they're called Sound Booths. Picture the old phone booth that Superman would go in and change in a you know, blink of an eye, be out of his uh, tuxedo and into his Superman cape. Well, these are things you can have sent to your home if you've got a home office, but you've got a lot of kids and you need a quiet space. It's a modern designed phone booth that's a soundproof case yeah. that you can still see out of two sides and see the rest of the house and the kids, but you're in a quiet, isolated sound booth that you can move and set in different areas of your home. This so, must, is this from people working at home and having yes, kids at home? I, I think so, because you look at it and you wouldn't put that in an office uh, unless I, th that I could see. But That has that, been kind of a funny <laughs> outcome of COVID is you'll call like a bank or something and you hear kids in the background or <laughs> different things, dogs, sirens, things that you wouldn't normally hear. Yeah, they're, they're asking you, I need your social security number. <laughs> I, I need your account number. Daddy, daddy, can I have a pretzel? <laughs> it makes you real comfortable in giving them all that information over the telephone. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a pod, and it can be for one person, or you can actually get one that is just big enough to have a meeting in, but you'd want to make sure you had brushed your teeth and uh, taken a shower. Yeah, it's it's, it's tight quarters. Is it a wood structure, Romy? Um, it doesn't look like it. It looks more like it's got a metal framework, okay, uh, but with glass sides. 
Maybe we should get one of those for Gary. <laughs> Make a nice sound booth. Yeah, that'd be nice. So you can fit one or two people in there. That's you know, nice. the there's four different sizes, and the fourth size, you know, I'd, it'd be tight, but you could you could fit a, probably a fourth person in there. Oh, that big! Wow, it okay. uh, is tight, but you could if if you're just that's all you had. Mm-hmm. With your cell phones, not 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 with not with portable desk and laptops. So, are they showing people sitting in chairs in that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. No chair with a laptop sitting in front of them. Trends, 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 trends in silent booths, trends in colors, trends in the remodeling industry. Things you need to be careful of. Uh, the activity isn't going to slow down, as I as I am guessing right now. The, the pace is going to stay very, very heated. That's another great reason for you, the Arizona homeowner, to proceed with any remodeling maintenance project with extreme caution. Hey, welcome back to Rosie on the House. Rosie, while we were on break, had a couple questions come in. You ready for some homeowner questions? Fire away. That's what we're right. here for. Yeah, we love these questions that our listeners do, too, because everybody learns. I have a dual cooling system on my house. I do not use the swamp cooler now. Question. Can I cover the ceiling up sealing up draft vents with a plastic vent cover? Does, oh. that make, does that all make sense to you? I would use more than just a plastic vent cover because those up ducts that are cut into the ceilings go through the insulation. So it is a completely uninsulated space between the hot attic and your living space. So I would get some rigid foam, cut it mm. to the size of that, at least three or four inches thick, and I'd just cram it up into that hole, and I'd drywall over it for sure that the air conditioning is just being sucked right out of the house with those things those updraft ducts were just designed for evap cooling and on the topic of evap cooling uh, if you have the option it costs less to air condition a home now with the efficiency of the air conditioning units than it costs to evap cool when you take into consideration all the extra costs of the evap coolers, the pads, the maintenance, the cleaning and whatnot. Seal up those ducts, insulate those spaces. Don't let any of the air transfer through it. And don't ever go back to the evaporative cooling. All righty. That's question one. Okay. Ready for number two. Okay. These are all three air conditioning questions. The outside unit, is it a DIY project to clean the coils? And do you like the products they sell in the, in the hardware store to get that done? You know, it can, but for truly for do-it-yourself, just take your leaf blower and point it down the center and blow all the dust and the debris out. Um, a true cleaning would include these liquid detergents and water and brushes and stuff like that. I would tell most homeowners, stay away from that. Uh, you're going you're gonna to get in there with a little water, and you're going to get in there with a brush, and you're not going to have to turn the thermostat off, and the fan's going to want to come on, and you're going to have a real mess and possibly get hurt. But just take a leaf blower, and when you're out there in the yard, make sure that unit is free of debris, free of leaves, and blow the dust off of it. That's do-it-yourself condenser cleaning. Let's say you have a dust storm. And okay. it comes through a pretty bad one, too. Okay. Would you clean it off the next day, or do you wait 
Uh, as long if you know if you've got your leaf blower, just blow it off. Blow it off. Yeah. Okay. The cleaner you can keep it, the more efficient it's going to run. I'm on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Oh man. We're still outside on the air conditioning unit. Is there any benefit to shading an outdoor unit like that? It certainly doesn't hurt as long as you don't restrict the airflow. The most important thing that does is take heat out of the house and throw it out into the atmosphere. If your shade structure starts restricting that air, that free airflow, you can feel how hot the air Mm -hmm. is coming out of there. If you start slowing that down at all, you're going to start hurting the performance of the equipment. So shade's okay, just don't restrict that airflow. So how far above that unit is that? Three or four feet? Uh, yeah, at least. Okay. Yeah. And it probably wouldn't even be worth the investment. It's expelling the hot air out of the home. It's not drawing in any air at that point. So there's really that makes no, sense. Okay. no value to do that. But good news, the Arizona Masonry Council is bringing back the fastest trial. They haven't had one since 2019, so we've missed two... What is that, 20 and 21? So we've missed two years. It's something that we have often broadcast at in the past. I don't know if we will this year yet or not. Got to check the calendar, but it's uh, coming up in October 22nd. It's a Saturday. And it's an event we really like to support because if you listen to the broadcast, you know how much we love building with masonry. It's a much more forever product. Um, you, you people that talk about going green and energy efficient and sustainability well building with a material that's going to last uh, hundreds of years <clears throat> as opposed to a uh, silly stick and stucco building that's you know you maybe have a 40-year life and you're going to tear down and rebuild six seven eight nine times in the amount of time that a quality masonry home is built in you know that you know that's pretty darn sustainable when you're looking at the use of raw resources. Plus, uh, we've got a lot of these blocks are manufactured here. Yes, we do bring in, you know, there's certain fly ash and cement that has to be imported, but a lot of the raw earth materials are pulled right out of our our local uh, riverbeds and washes. You can see them on the New River Road, the Lone Butte facility. I mean, it's all happening right there. The that's why quality block is down there by uh, the river. So it's a and it's a great way to showcase just the the skill and promote masonry as a whole. So glad to see that that's coming back online. And then another thing that interests me is there's a uh, flooring manufacturer uh, IF4 that has introduced a new B light technology to their product line, and it's really hit me because it's kind of like the jaws product so instead of shipping cleaning containers all across the country that are 90 percent water they just sell the refill charges and it reduces the amount of transportation dramatically well same thing here it they found a new product to incorporate in their flooring system that reuses 20 percent less raw material five percent cheaper to manufacture and cuts out 6% of the transportation. So it's just one more thing that, you know, all, all these, they sound like very small margins of numbers, but if we're all doing a little bit of percent here and there, you know, it, it makes a big difference overall. So that was neat to see that new uh, technology development floors. And it's also advertised as the world's easiest installed interlocking flooring system. So good, good do-it-yourself project. So it's Rosie on the House. We've got hour number three coming up. 